Well, hi everybody. Uh, in a moment, the Bible readings are going to be brought to us and then we'll spend some time reflecting on them. Before we do, I wanted to announce this week's Proverbs competition entry winner. Uh, it actually came in after I recorded the sermon, uh, so that's why I'm doing it now, but it was terrific, so I thought I wanted to share it with everybody. Uh, this week's winning entry comes from Rose. Uh, Rose has picked Proverbs 12, verse 25, which says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Uh, why has she chosen this one? Rose says, People around us are so often anxious about so many things in their lives. You can see it in their actions and on their faces. And I like to try and encourage them in some way. So how's Rose tried to apply this? Rose says, sometimes by a kind word or just a listening ear or practical help if it's possible in the situation. Uh, thanks Rose so much. I really appreciate the way in which uh, you've shared of how God's word is shaping you for our encouragement. So the winner of this week's prize pack, here we go, Rose, some great books here. Uh, two more weeks to enter. Can I encourage you, please do send it in that we might be a great blessing to each other. Thanks very much. Hello, my name is Robin. We have three passages today. The first two are from the book of Proverbs. First passage is Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 to 11. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Second passage is from Proverbs chapter 26 verses 13 to 16. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. And the last passage is from the book of Galatians. And it's found in chapter 5, verses 22 to 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other.
Well, I hope you've had a chance to download the handout uh, from the notes section. Please do make sure you have that in front of you. It's pretty detailed and it also has a copy of the Bible passages uh, that will be really useful. I wonder how you went with the homework this week of tracing a theme through Proverbs. Uh, you can see from my talk title that I picked the theme of hard work and laziness. Now, you might be wondering why that was my choice. Uh, a couple of reasons. The first one is, and I've got to say this up front, because I love the word sluggard. I love the word sluggard. I love the sluggard proverbs. I mean, how many times in this talk do you think I can use that wonderfully onomatopoeic word sluggard? Sluggard, sluggard, sluggard. Sluggard. That's a pretty superficial reason. A better reason as to why I picked this particular topic is because everyone is susceptible to laziness, no matter our particular station in life. You'll notice that lots of the proverbs are situation-specific, how to treat your spouse, what to do if you're a parent. But this theme addresses all of us. And the third reason why I picked this particular topic is because it gets to the heart of what we must do or not do before God. So today's talk, The Ant and the Sluggard. Now, as we begin, I do want you to recall Jeff's five top tips for interpreting Proverbs, what we saw last week. Uh, they're printed there on your handout, so if you have it in front of you, you'll see it at the top right-hand corner, those five top tips for how we make sense of this sometimes very strange book. In particular, I want to draw your attention to top tip number three. Uh, don't quote a proverb before reading every proverb on the topic. Uh, today's two main readings were extended collections on diligence and laziness and idleness, uh, but we're also going to pick up on various one-liners or sound bites from the rest of the book. Now, since I can't cover it all, um, I've structured today's talk like last week's. This week, set of five top tips. This week, five FAQs, five frequently asked questions on hard work and laziness. Well, frequently asked question number one, why should we work hard? In the book of Proverbs, the most common reason to work hard and not be a lazy dilettante is because of the consequences of inactivity. Let me read again that first reading for us from Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Follow along on your handout. Proverbs chapter 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Well, what's on view here is what's called a utilitarian or consequentialist approach to ethics. Utilitarian or consequentialist approach to ethics. That is, you reap what you sow. Uh, or in the case of a sluggard, you don't reap what you don't sow. I love how verses 9 and 10 describe the sluggard's refusal even to get started. Uh, he or she won't get out of bed. Uh, you saw it there in verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. It reminds me of repeatedly hitting the snooze on your alarm on a cold Adelaide winter morning. Uh, just a few more minutes... Where's the harm in that? Well, the answer comes in verse 11. And it's designed to shock us into action. 
You see, the inevitable consequence of just a little laziness is abject poverty. It's sudden and it's catastrophic. Now, by contrast, verses 6 through 8, the first part of the reading, they invite us to consider the ant. The ant, which seems so puny, so insignificant, so unimpressive, but at least it's had lots to eat. Uh, Perhaps a better image, and sorry, I couldn't really resist this, this. perhaps a better image is of a busy bee. Now, according to verse 7, the ant doesn't even need to be told what to do. Because it's part of a wider fellowship where everyone pitches in. You remember talk two and how wisdom is learnt in community? Well, importantly, chapter six of Proverbs is not pushing us to the opposite extreme to laziness, that is to overwork. I say this because verses six through 11 is all directed to the sluggard, not the workaholic. Uh, There'll be other more relevant proverbs for them, as we'll see in a little while. Frequently asked question number two, why are we inclined to laziness? We've already seen one cause in chapter six, uh, in the refusal to get started. And in fact, that's such a common theme in Proverbs, it's emphasised again in our second reading. Uh, look there, Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 13. Proverbs 26, verse 13. A sluggard says, there's a lion in the road, a fierce lion roaming the streets. Now, this is almost comical, isn't it? I mean, I suppose it's theoretically possible that out the front down there, there's a lion prowling up and down North Terrace. But is that really the best excuse you can come up with? It's kind of up there with, uh, sorry, the dog ate my homework. But as well as lack of initiative, laziness can manifest in a chronic inability to finish what you start. That is, because of lack of persistence. So look at how Proverbs 26 continues in verse 15. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. It's a lovely image, isn't it? He puts his hand in the dish, but, oh, it's just so much effort. I don't think I could be bothered putting it in my mouth now. And so the big question for us to reflect on is why? Why are we inclined to laziness? What motive lies behind our reluctance to get started or our failure to finish? Or quite frankly, just our preference to procrastinate? I remember a number of years ago telling a former colleague of mine one morning that uh, Wendy and the kids were unwell. Before I got home that evening, his wife had already dropped a meal over for us. Uh, When I thanked him the next day, he said, well, yeah, that's because my wife's life motto is, why live till tomorrow? What you can do today. Why are we inclined to laziness? Is a fear of hard work. Is it the desire for instant gratification, not wanting to delay? Or is it the lack of assurance that our effort will pay off? If I don't start, I'll never be disappointed. Well, that takes us then to our third FAQ. Frequently asked question number three, will hard work guarantee my success? 
the reasoning here goes, if you are 100% certain your labour would be rewarded, that might motivate a sluggard to action. What do we say about that? Well, I want to say yes, Proverbs does hold out that possibility. Remember the hard-working ant for whom patient, painstaking toil usually does produce the desired result. And there's another reference there on your handout from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during harvest is a disgraceful son. But did you notice carefully what I said? I said, usually. Because hard work never guarantees success. Uh, That was the first of those top tips from last week. And remember those top tips? I remember the big idea. Proverbs describes probabilities, not promises. There are no guarantees. In fact, the book of Proverbs consistently stresses how short-lived our endeavours are. In fact, it says that the one absolute certainty is that nothing we do will last forever. And so again, on your handout, Proverbs 23, verse 4, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. When I read that proverb, I could not help but think of Jesus' devastating parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12. That man who kept building bigger and bigger barns to store his abundant crops, but died before he could take early retirement to enjoy them. What I'm saying is that we must never try to cure the problem of laziness with hollow promises of success. That's a vain hope which will never satisfy. In fact, the mantra of hard work will be rewarded or persistence pays off can even lead us to the opposite but equally foolish extreme to laziness. That's workaholism. Workaholism and the misguided delusion that we're in control. If only we just try a bit harder and put in longer hours. Ultimately, the Bible condemns both laziness and workaholism. Although it's interesting that Proverbs has many more warnings against idleness than mania. Presumably that's because laziness is the more common problem. And maybe the book of Proverbs is saying that a wise person is more worried about leaning towards laziness than being overrun by overwork. Frequently asked question number four. What does Proverbs say about career? I've already touched on some aspects, but I wanted to pause for a moment to address two modern-day questions about career. And you'll see them printed there on your handout. I want to talk briefly about unemployment and then a little more about ambition. Well, firstly, unemployment. Uh, interestingly, Proverbs has very little say, very little to say to those who cannot find work, uh, as opposed to those who are too lazy to bother looking. Proverbs has very little to say to those who cannot find work. 
Why? Well, maybe top tip number two is helpful for us here. Uh, Top tip number two there on your handout. Remember, wherever possible, consider the context. Well, when I say context, I also mean the historical context. Because you remember the setting of Proverbs? It was from the time of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Solomon, who wrote in a golden age of prosperity for God's people. He wrote in a time of full employment, which, of course, tragically seems like fantasy in our country at the moment. Perhaps that's why Proverbs has so little to say about unemployment. But Proverbs has a lot to say to those of us who do have work. Proverbs talks consistently about caring for the unemployed and empathetically and sacrificially supporting those who legitimately cannot help themselves. So on your handout, Proverbs 19 verse 17 Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Now let me be very clear about Proverbs 19 verse 17. This is not a mercenary way to motivate you. It's not saying give to others so that God will give back to you. This is not utilitarianism. Remember again, top tip number one, there are no guarantees. Rather, this reflects the wider biblical context. Top tip number two. Here's what I mean. In Genesis 2, when God put mankind in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it, God said that labour was good. And so because God made us for a purpose, because God made us to be useful, Inactivity hurts us. It demeans us. And ultimately, it dehumanises us. To put this in a slightly humorous way, I'm reminded of this truth every March when university students finally return after four months' holiday and they say they're actually keen to study. Well... There's something about unemployment. What about ambition? Well, Proverbs actually is remarkably positive about ambition, about the prospect of making a difference, of working hard to achieve great things in our world because God made us to be useful. And so Proverbs 22 verse 29, again on your handout. Do you see someone skilled in their work? They will serve before kings. They will not serve before officials of low rank. Are you surprised by Proverbs 22? In the youth group in which I grew up, two of my youth group leaders, well, one of them became the Premier of New South Wales and the other his Chief of Staff. Or consider, if you will, the extraordinary moment that we live in where both the Prime Minister and the Governor-General, the two top people in our country, if I can put it that way, they are godly Christian men. Sometimes God does take us to high office. But again, 
Remember top tip number one. There are no guarantees. If you read Proverbs 22, well, it might happen for you. But once again, I'm constantly warning our students, our ESs, to not be surprised if they never rise to the top of their field because they'll never be as devoted to their career as the pagans around them. They live for their work, not for the Lord Jesus. Ultimately, Proverbs is more interested in us having good career priorities, in attending to basics before seeking after comfort. Remember that hard-working ant with much more modest ambitions? Take Proverbs 24, verse 27, again, on your handout. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Just as one final comment here, even talking about ambition and the related topic of job satisfaction, that reflects our first world privilege. Most of us here can choose a career. We can choose a fulfilling career. And what's more, most of us are able to change it if we prefer. One reason why I left my first career as a management consultant was because I could. And I want to acknowledge that we here in 21st century Adelaide, we are spoiled by the luxury of vocational choice. We're spoiled. Given that most people in the world across time and space, they would take any job just to survive another day. That's where the phrase beggars can't be choosers comes from. And the risk for us is that such freedom can blind us to selfish desires. How quickly we prize self-gratification over self-sacrifice. My predecessor used to tell ambitious university students that if they wanted a job that changed the world and saved lives, they should be garbage collectors. Because if you've ever visited, let alone lived in a country without basic sanitation, you'll know what a difference it makes. And so we return one last time to the matter of motives. The importance here of learning wisdom in community when others can point out our blind spots. Proverbs says precious little about the relative worth of different careers, but it says an awful lot about conducting ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel, whatever our vocation. FAQ number five. So... How can I change? Okay, Jeff, I get it. Proverbs says don't be lazy. So how do I change? Because I really want to. What's more, I'm going to need more than just me resolve, you know, just try harder. Because that hasn't worked so well until now. So what's going to be different tomorrow? In fact, the Christian problem is that we know God has made us for more. 
And so every failure can feel like we're letting him down. So far in this series, I've not mentioned the Holy Spirit. And that brings us then to Galatians chapter 5 and the role of God's change agent. Pick it up with me again on your handout. This is our third reading, Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. We're going to need something new, uh, dare I say, novel, if we're going to be different from before. And so Paul's rationale in Galatians 5 is powerfully compelling. It says that we belong to Christ Jesus who alone can change and reshape our passions and desires. And he lives in us by his Holy Spirit who cultivates in us those amazing fruit of character. And that means that our role is to keep in step with that spirit to ask Jesus for help, and then to follow his lead. Do you see what wonderful reassurance that is? See, despite our shortcomings, both before coming to faith, even now as believers, of which we're so acutely aware, Jesus has not given up on us. He's given us his spirit. That means he's not left us to try to change ourselves. What an exercise in futility that would be. At last, we have a motivation that avoids moralism. We're being told to keep in step with the Spirit, to be in sync with what he's already doing in us, not relying on our own good intentions, but calling on him to complete his transforming work in us. You and I, we are works in progress But God's ongoing involvement is yet another sign of his grace and mercy. And so then to my two final comments on this topic of hard work and laziness. When it comes to growth in character, did you notice the preeminence of self-control? Of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's because character is mostly shaped by intentional choices, by repeated habits. It's not shaped by accident or circumstance. What shapes character is when we choose to start, when we choose to finish. It's about what we stop doing or what we avoid. So the question becomes then, how do you form a habit? Well, actually, it's quite easy. To start a habit, well, here's what you do. You do it today, you do it tomorrow, and you repeat after that. And yet, of course, I realise it's still hard work forging Christian character. You'll see the image on the side of the screen, which I came across this week and reminded me once again of, well, a metal worker at a forge 
It takes time. There is much repetition, painstaking labour, but ultimately it is effective. And so I want to suggest something achievable for you in this week ahead. And you'll see it there on the bottom of your handout. This is the for discussion and reflection question. Which one fruit of the Spirit will you ask God to cultivate in you this week? Which one fruit of the Spirit will you ask God to cultivate in you this week? Now, can I say, if you've been joining us as someone who's not a believer, this is the kind of community we're trying to create. People who are on about cultivating these kinds of characters. And can I say to the members of this church, imagine we were all like this. Imagine what a, what a witness that would be for the gospel. Imagine being known as someone who is joyful or gentle or kind. Someone who is known for who you are and what you are like, not what you do for a living. And although I've consistently warned against guarantees in this series, I reckon that if you pray this prayer daily, you'll start to see some results. After all, it's what Jesus wants to do in you. To put this slightly differently, before we, God, before we ask God to alter our circumstances, our first prayer must be that he transforms our character and our convictions. That's how we make sense of hardship and suffering. They're not situations to be feared or avoided, rather opportunities to be conformed to the image of Christ. I spoke this week with a couple who used to be at our 10.30 congregation. They first came to our 7pm gathering. Three years ago, they relocated overseas and they got in touch to talk and shared some of the enormous difficulties they'd faced. His job didn't eventuate. They'd struggled with preschoolers and babies adapting. They'd had some serious health complications, including a couple of scares with tumours. And yet today, they are still able to rejoice in God's goodness to them and how he is so evidently making them more like Christ. My daily prayer diary for others, for family and friends, for work colleagues and for ministries, uh, it has these three words written at the top. Conviction, character, circumstances. Conviction, character, circumstances, and always in that order. Because that's what I pray for others. And I pray that's what God does first and foremost in me. Conviction, conviction of what God is like. He is gracious and merciful. Character, pray that God might bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit. And then and only then circumstances. Pray that God might sustain us through them all according to his good, pleasing and perfect will. So let me finish today by praying for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that the good work you have begun in us, you will bring to completion. So we ask in this week ahead, Strengthen us in our convictions of your grace and mercy. Bring forth in us the fruit of the Spirit and enable us each day, whatever the circumstances, to keep looking to you and to him who is our Saviour. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.